0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Youth Peace Talks, the podcast where we highlight the great work of young peace builders all around the world. I'm Clara. And I'm Leila. And in the second season of our podcast, we are focusing on the role of language in peacebuilding.
1: We hope you enjoyed the first episode of this season in which we opened up the discussion about the topic of language in peace building. In the second episode, we talked to Leila from our Bosnian partners, Youth for Peace, who is working on an initiative to tackle hate speech online.
0: Hopefully you enjoy this episode and learn a little bit more about how to overcome the challenges that language can pose to work. With us today, we have Leila. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce your name. Maybe you can do that yourself. We'd love to hear a little bit about yourself and who you are and what your work is. And yeah, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me here. It's my pleasure to be part of this podcast series, which is very successful so far, if I may say. I'm, I'm Leila Hassan-Dedic I will pronounce my two surnames, just if someone will be curious to know that, but I, I'm Leila. I'm originally from Bosnia and Herzegovina, currently living in Turkey. I'm psychologist by profession. I got my master's degree in psychology in Bosnia and decided to move to Turkey so that I can obtain my PhD here, so I'm currently doing in my PhD, but besides psychology as one of my passions, second one is definitely peace building. Uh, So I'm one of the co-founder of the Youth for Peace, peace building organization from Bosnia and Herzegovina that is doing quite a lot into trying to make more peaceful society in Bosnia and Herzegovina, because, as you probably know, Bosnia is unfortunately very famous for the war and genocide that happened over there and all these negative stuff. So we would like to bring some more positive light over there. And in order to do that, we thought that peace build will be the first thing that should be done over there in order to heal this wounded society and then to move in a more positive direction. Within the scope of Youth for Peace, there is so many projects happening over there. So I don't know if we have enough time to highlight all of them. But one of the most recent ones that we were working on and co-partnering was Speech for Change that we'll be shortly talking about that today. And beside Youth for Peace, I'm also involved in the United Religion Initiative, which is big interfaith, grassroots level organization. I'm working in the Europe region. And um, I'm trying also to work on a peace building activities through more religious and interfaith perspective there. And there is also some other things about me, but I think that it's quite enough for audience just to know some basic things (laughs) to keep it a little bit shorter and simple.
1: Thank you. That's a great introduction. And I think... You have the perfect back- background to speak about the role of language in peace building, which is what this uh, season is focused on uh, with the psychology side, but also being from Bosnia, where there's a lot of different languages as well. And to start off the conversation about language and peace building, I'd love to hear more about what kind of associations you have in your mind with the term language. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when someone mentioned language, I mean, it, it, it it's even weird to me when someone is asking what is your association for language because we are using languages like on everyday base and you usually don't think about that because you are using it to communicate. We now are using the language to communicate with each other. But when I start thinking like what language really means to me or what is some of the first association is that it's somehow a structure system that we are using to communicate with each other. And I think also that this is um, interesting that we, when we think about language, we usually talk that just about spoken language, but there is so big other area of the nonverbal communication and languages that we are using over there as well, like with our gestures and without using any spoken words, which I think is incredible. And also like language is something that definitely distinguishes us as a more sophisticated animals compared to the other animal species around us. So I think that uh, the, those are some of the first association. If I go back to the my psychological background, language is so important as a main part of the cognitive processes that we are using and when, and and we can even say that the human beings are really becoming human beings when they are able to start using languages in the age of three, uh, in the age of three, like really fluently, but in the age of one or one and a half, when you are start using your first words. And if we put it all together, like language is so incredible tool that we all use and so necessary in everyday life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is really, it really, it becomes really clear that you um, know a lot about this topic and i think this is a really interesting perspective to hear this from a psychologist um, and you already mentioned your speech for change project earlier so how maybe you can start introducing this project a little bit or this campaign that you've been working on and also highlight actually how your knowledge or how your interest in language might have been a part of this or how what kind of role it plays um, language and then also um, yeah, hate speech, I think, which is um, a big factor of this this campaign. Yeah, thank you, as
2: I said, thank you very much for giving us space or giving me space to promote it on behalf of me and other colleagues that are working on. So Speech for Change is a name for the big project uh, that was launched by Religion for Peace also a big interfaith uh, organization like United Religion Initiative. And it was launched by European Interfaith Youth Network, so the youth network within the Religion for Peace Europe. And Youth for Peace and other partners were like organizing, co-organizing uh, this campaign. And we decided to start campaign in a Balkan area, as you mentioned, because unfortunately, Balkan is so famous. Uh, of the war and all terrible stuff that happened, but also we are sharing so much in common, like we are having almost the same languages that we are using over the the same culture and everything, but still we decide to divide ourselves Mm -hmm. and to name those languages differently, even if they are all the same language in the core of course a lot of people can argue about this because we have war even because of this but and then we were curious like how in this small region where people are sharing and having so much in common this hate speech become um, in mainstream and that you can hear it in media they are using it in the newspaper and everything. so we decide to launch it in the Balkan with the aim also to continue promoting it uh, in the Europe and because pandemic happened, we decided to move it completely online. Without having a lot of offline activities and I think that in the end, it was positive thing because then we were able to reach so many people. Through the online campaign starting from the Balkan. But the main language of campaign was English, so we were able to reach wider audience and involve other partners of European Interfaith Youth Network like Coexiste, a big interfaith organization from France and others. Uh, when we are talking about those from the Balkan beside Youth for Peace, they were Sombra Educational Center from Serbia, and also Udentim Lire, which is an organization from Albania, so we were having partners from Albania, Serbia, and Bosnia that were working together, and it was interfaith youth-led online platform with the aim to combat extremism and religiously based hate speech. Mm-hmm. So hate speech is quite a broad term, but because we were coming from religion for peace perspective, we were trying to focus on the hate speech, which were mainly connected to the religion as itself. And some of the main aims or goals of the campaign was to raise awareness and to advocate about diversity and inclusivity uh, through different alternative narratives that we tried to provide as alternative to the hate speech that were present over there.
0: This is this is really a really nice first insight and it sounds like it's, it's really interesting. Um, it seems like you came from quite a local issue and then it quickly kind of quickly spread across all of Europe um, really maybe also helped through the digitalization um, that happened in the past year yeah. um, can you maybe tell a little bit about kind of the, the activities that you're actually doing or how it looked like in the beginning when it was offline and then how you digitalized it or how how, how it looks like now yeah kind of what the campaign looks like online now um, what the activities look like.
2: Yeah, so uh, at the beginning we had idea to have it offline and to organize exchanges of the youth people because it is youth-led project uh, between the Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, so that they can come together. And we have one workshop in Bosnia before pandemic happened, when people from Bosnia come together in order to start exchanging ideas and working on the project. Then pandemic happened, and we uh, unfortunately or luckily, depending from which perspective we see it, we move it to online and involve a lot of partners who were there. From the beginning, we have idea to have partly online, but uh, we were also wanting to have this offline campaign, which in the end, uh, we just have few workshops in each of these country, and that was all. Uh, How it looked like, as I said, our main focus was to raise awareness and to provide alternative narratives. Why alternative narratives is because in Bosnia, and Serbia, Albania, and in Balkan, after the war, we have so strong narratives and a younger generation are raised And taught about these narratives and then even if they are um, born way after the war, they are still raising up with this idea of hating each other. having hate speech as a normal part of normal communication and it is it become crucial part of each society and we wanted to break it and we want to provide alternative narratives also we didn't want to fight hate speech by just providing non-hate speech but we want to address that to highlight tell people hate speech is not the same as a freedom of speech hate speech can lead to the violence. So we need to stop it. We need to recognize it. And then we need to provide alternative to them instead of just uh, urging this comment or avoiding discussing about it. We wanted to provide alternative to that. Mm -hmm. And so online campaign was led on all social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter account. We have a lot of webinars happening over there with the speakers from all over the world so not just our region and we were able to reach almost twenty-two thousand people so far according to the statistical algorithms <laughs> and, and calculations that we've done on our social media which we are very proud of
0: yeah absolutely um, that's a really really big audience a really yeah a huge number of people you've reached out to um, so you were talking about the alternatives to hate speech and i think this is something quite interesting to go into um, because we also want to talk about in this in this um, season of our podcast about kind of the the um, tools that language can provide and how it can um, build bridges and how it can lead to peace so basically language as a peace building tool. Um, maybe you can explain a little bit these alternatives. What, what is the alternative to hate speech or how can it be tackled, or how can awareness be raised, um, especially also in youth, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, so as I said, the,
2: the focus of the campaign was on trying to provide alternative narratives. Mm-hmm. So we were first highlight and we first did research asking people like what they think. Do they think that hate speech exists or maybe it doesn't exist? And even 25% of the people mentioned that they don't think that hate speech exists. Uh, then a lot of them were claiming hate speech is not existing, it's just freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. But then when you face them and tell like, it's not freedom of speech, if you're hurting somebody else, because it can lead to the violence and it was happening in the Balkan area, that is the reason why we focus over there. Then people start rethinking it. And then we tell them, let's start rethinking our narratives that we are strongly believing it, because there is you need to look at it from the different perspective. And then we try to provide these young people tools to start actively thinking, to start rethinking about things that they were strongly believing in, to start putting themselves in the shoes of others, like why their grandparents or parents are saying what they are saying and why they are providing this alternative, these narratives because they were having this experience, but you don't have it. So you can more objectively look at from your point of view, but still you can be empathic and try to put yourself in the shoes of them and understand why they taught you this kind of things. And then we will, we try first to theoretically teach them what is hate speech, what are aspects of the hate speech, why it is important to talk them then to focus on the empathy on the active listening skills and then they will come up with the narratives that they were strongly believing in and we will try to provide alternative to them to that in order for them to use the tools that we will teach them to see this from different perspective and hopefully that for them to build some new narratives in the future of course this is just the beginning because in order to form the narrative, you need generation of people to build it. But we hope that this is good first step in order to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting just to point out that you mentioned um, that active listening is actually a big part of peace building uh, of language in peace building, right? So in, in communication, when you want to communicate for peace, you you need to actively listen, and I think. This can often be a bit overlooked um, when you talk about how about the topic of of language right how in communication the part of listening and not just about what you put out there but also how you take things in yeah exactly i was
1: thinking the same thing that you're teaching such valuable tools for peace building but also for life in general the ability to be able to listen openly and reflect before reacting And, uh, and then giving the tools for the right kind of reaction for more of a reflective reaction is so important. And um, I was also thinking about the link between your background in psychology and language. And it's so interesting, because we know that the the words that we use can build our realities as well. So it's so fascinating to first look at the reflection aspect and the listening aspect, and then give the tools so that you can rephrase things in your mind, and then give a new framework for people to live in it's super interesting
0: yeah,
2: yeah thank you yeah we, we thought that this is really important because as i said as a psychologist i know that we are cognitive lazies lazy even if we don't or maybe don't want to admit it but it is very easy for us to put people in different boxes and to stereotypes and having so plenty prejudice so with this campaign we wanted to tackle this to tell them like look instead of thinking what you will tell next or jumping on a conclusion just after listening to the few words that someone is telling you, you need to rethink it. Start rethinking about that and then start focusing on something more positive in the direction or more peace building and try to find some common uh, commonalities over there instead of trying to find just something negative that you can catch on and then tell, oh, this is like really negative, let's move in that direction. Let's try, let's try to find something that are common to all of us and let's focus on that direction more.
1: In line with that, um, I think that's really important to focus on the commonalities with people and shift your mindset towards that. Do you have any other tips that you could give for listeners, for us as well, on how to kind of change your language or how to reflect some of the tools that you're teaching in the workshops?
2: Yeah, as, as I said, there is a quite set of them and we try to adjust it to the needs of the people that we were working in. So everyone has, of course, different needs. But something that I will say and that is already said uh, so far, it is definitely try to be more active listener. Even if someone tell you be be uh, more active listening, people think, OK, I will just sit now and listen, but really consciously try to listen to somebody else. Instead of trying thinking in your mind what you would tell next or jumping to the conclusion really gives space to another human beings to express themselves. And instead of just listening to words, try to understand the reality of person that are coming with those words. Try to understand their background, their reality and their truth that they are strongly believing and coming to you. So we need, as I said, to be more open-minded, more empathic and more active listening in that way. So I think that this is the, the, the best tool that all of us can, Uh, use but you need years to work on that to become the real active listening in the sense that you really try fully without any prejudice and stereotypes to listen to other human beings and to accept them unconditionally because they are all coming from their own perspective but I think that this can be key to better understanding and peace building activities
0: yeah wow I think this is a this is a really strong message and this is also definitely something um, where I feel like every single one of us can keep practicing that in their everyday lives and in communication, um, whether it's with friends or family or colleagues. um, I don't think that (laughs) you can reach this level of perfection. I think it's an ongoing process, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's good to get reminded of this all the time over and over again, (laughs) because we can only improve this. I think this was a really interesting insight into the Speech for Change um, project or campaign. And I think it's really, it's really inspiring to see um, what you're doing there and also how you really yeah, have, have adapted your project um, over the past year. You you said it was almost for the better that you moved online because it probably also provided you with a much bigger outreach. Um, what do you think is like the biggest impact that you're making or what is what do you hope is the biggest impact? Um, maybe also looking forward a little bit, what do you hope your biggest impact will be?
2: As I said, our next step will be to move it on the more European level and to continue with campaign as itself because campaign officially started in September and, and in December, I mean, this online part of the campaign. And as I said, numbers are quite impressive. Like when you said somebody 22,000, it, it seems impressive. But we have quite a big aim and we would like to continue it and to move into direction of producing some kind of the manual or toolkit that people can use. From the experience that we learn and to involve as many countries as possible, first in the European level and then move it in further away and also. Focus, continue focusing on the religious hate speech because it is so important, but we also want to focus not just on religiously based hate speech, but also on hate speech coming from religious leaders. And this can be quite controversial topic because usually like, of course, everyone who is promoting religion should promote positive values. But we are aware that a lot of religious leaders are coming out with a lot of hate speech towards other groups, like immigrants, refugees, and others who are coming. So we would like to focus on that as well. And if we focus so far we can say that we are so proud with the numbers of people that we reach but we strongly believe that small things are making big change so even if one of these twenty-two thousand that statistics are telling us on the internet change their mind they become more active listeners, will become aware how hate speech can be harmful for all of us we will be more than happy to know that and if we were able to reach even more people then it will be better so our aim is to continue doing this that we hope are could doing good and then to reach as many people as possible and to make as more changes as possible and hopefully to make a peaceful and better society in which we are working.
1: That's an amazing vision and I I really wish you the best in that direction. I was also wondering what language you actually use when you do your workshops because we keep talking about language but which one do you actually use with, uh, with your participants?
2: Uh, When we were working in Bosnia, of course, we use local language, but we have in Bosnia three local languages, Bosnian, Croatian and Serbian. So we were using them, let's say, simultaneously in Serbia as well, the same situation and Albanian language is slightly different than Bosnian and Serbian. So we were communicating with them in English, but we also use translator because uh, all of us English is second or third language. So we didn't expect that participants will be able to understand everything. So we were using translation over there but for the online campaign it was in English language in order to reach as many people as possible with translation in the local languages when they were needed for that.
1: Okay yeah that makes sense and following on that what do you think uh, is are the advantages or disadvantages in your opinion of using uh, a language that isn't your own native language maybe it provides a bit more distance with the topic that you're addressing and then it makes it easier for you to share or maybe it's just too difficult to find the right words and people shut down? Or, yeah, is it useful to have another like a third party language that you can use to treat these peace building issues among cultures? Or is it better to speak in your own language and then have interpreters help you translate?
2: Honestly, it's quite individual thing, so we depend. Sometimes people feel more comfortably, as you said, using the second language. Uh, But sometimes they are overthinking if they will say it correctly, grammatically, and stuff like that. So then they may be sometimes shut down. I personally think that it is much easier to conduct all these activities in local language, because language is so part of the culture, and then people can much much better express their own fears and emotions and everything than maybe on the English, German, or any other language that they may use. But then on the other side, the reality in which we are living is that English language becomes so dominant And in order to reach wider audience or send a message and make some bigger changes, you are somehow forced or you need to use English language as itself. So in a local area, it's better to focus on the local language because people are much more comfortable using it. But when you want to do it more globally campaign, then definitely English language is something that people start using but but maybe there is also positive side of it because all of us who are using English language I think that we are more aware of the language as itself, if it is not our mother tongue, so we are not talking on top of our mind but we need somehow to prepare or a little bit more think about that, and in the process of thinking you become more aware of the words that you are thinking and telling other human being, and then also I think you become more active listener because it's harder for you to receive information coming in the language that is not your mother tongue.
1: That's a, a really important point, actually, really interesting. It's like you have this tiny translator in your head or facilitator between your brain and someone else's. Yeah, that's
0: a good it point. almost. I think it almost helps to slow down conversations when they're not in your mother tongue. And um, as you said, this kind of slowing down of conversations maybe really gives people the, the input that they need to start listening a bit more because they need to l- listen a bit more attentively because it doesn't come so naturally it's not it's not the easiest for them so they spend more attention to understanding what the other person's actually saying so yeah I think this is a really interesting insight actually especially also with your psychologist background really cool yeah so I think we've already kind of come to the end of all our questions is there anything else that you would like to share or Um, Any thoughts on your project or anything that comes up to your mind?
2: I just want to use this opportunity to invite people to to follow our project because, as I said, we are online campaign. You can find us uh, under the name of Alter Hate because we try to provide an alternative to hate. So this is the name of the campaign within the scope of the project called Speech for Change. And I hope that I will see a lot of listeners of this podcast as a part of our activities in the future. And also just keep in mind that the hate speech is something harmful that can lead to to hate crime and try to be more empathic, more more, more active listening. And even if you think that everything is so negative around you and that there is so a lot of hate speech so that there is no reason for you that you can't do anything. As I said, we strongly believe that the small things are leading to the bigger changes so if you can start from yourself start from yourself and then let's build together a better society and more peaceful ones so yeah. this will be my message for the audience
1: that's a beautiful think- message to end with I-, I wanted to ask that very last question that we came up with we, were, we wanted to hear if you had your own your own idea or your own vision for a way to overcome the challenges of language um, maybe a different kind of communication or anything that comes to mind to you that would overcome all these challenges?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, they they were one attempt, you know, Esperanto like to make language that will work for everyone. And I think that it was brilliant idea, but then there's always (laughs) a reason how sometimes some people are in favor of that, others are not really happy with the idea. Personally, I think that it was brilliant idea, but it unfortunately didn't really work. But i think that uh, how we can overcome languages instead of just find, trying to find common languages i think that we need to start more communicating between our hearts instead of our minds let's try to find commonalities let's try to let's try to use other aspects of language non-verbal communication let's be more kind to each other let's our hearts and become closer, build bridges between ourselves. So, And then language will not be barrier because when you see the small child who are unable to speak language at all, they are coming so easily together and they are playing and having so much fun and expressing love to each other. So I think that we can learn from that example instead of uh, using our minds and thinking about languages as itself open our hearts and try to find common ground that we are all having as human beings and let's come to each other and let's try to to make this world better place.
0: yeah that's a really really nice vision um kind of to end our conversation with and we definitely will make sure that we link um your project also in the in the notes of this podcast so that people can Um, find their way to your campaign. And thank you so much, Leila, for coming and for talking with us about your project and about your campaign, and also providing your insights um, to the topic. Yeah, we're super happy to uh, have had you here as a guest today, and hopefully we'll see you soon in the future, and maybe also in one of your workshops or something like this.
2: Thank you very much for having me, and thank you for providing space to, to share some of these ideas.